My topic for tonight is intuitive eating and hopefully we can help you enjoy your food and respect your body as um, you uh, take, a take and eat food. Lots of times we find with people as they are diagnosed or someone in your family uh, get, gains that diagnosis, whether it be type 1, type 2, or pre-diabetes, that then there becomes this whole question about food. There can be guilt about, I've, I've been diagnosed with this condition because of what I ate or what I did. I'm a bad person as, as we look at it. Or what is, you know, if I eat this food today, what are my blood sugars going to be in the morning? Or what is it going to do to my weight? And so we begin, we, we develop a stressful relationship with food and the greater stress we have, the more hormones that Deborah uh, just talked about are released in our body and it becomes a vicious cycle. And so tonight as we are looking at this, we're um, hoping that um, we can change some of those perspectives. And my mother, when she was um, living, and uh, she, she had some of those same concerns. And um, she said, well, I can never eat anything that tastes good or looks good again. And that was her philosophy. And as she would go to outings, oh, I don't want to put anyone out. I'll just go ahead and eat it and then just deal with the consequences later or that kind of thing. Um, she, she really struggled with that whole process. And that's one of the things as we teach with the food and we talk about food this evening and in all of our sessions, that's one of the things that I'm really coming back to is Yes, food can still taste good. It can still look good. You can still enjoy food and have it as a part of our life. Deborah talked about from when we've been very young, we've been rewarded with food. And if we take that whole emotional bond away, we really take away a lot of the satisfaction that we get. So hopefully after tonight's session, you will begin to look at understanding your body, understanding why you eat, when you eat, and are you truly hungry when you eat? Or are you just eating because the clock says it's noon or the clock says that it is, um, you know, six o'clock at night, it's time to eat. So we've got to go ahead and eat whether we're hungry or not. And so we want to learn to celebrate food and its ability and amazing ability to nourish our bodies. Thinking about that it plays a role. It isn't just to make us feel good or to make us feel happy. Food actually has a role in keeping us healthy and nourishing our body and helping our body to function. And so on the bright goldenrod colored sheet, I have some questions for fill in the blank. And so the first one is, um, there is no need to see food as an enemy. Food is there. It's nourishment. It's good for us. And like Deborah talked about, it's there's no... Um, evil food or junk food is how, how much we eat, when we eat, and how, you know, what other foods do we eat in combination with it. Um, and it's, um, as we've looked at some of the different diets that you may have been on or a diabetic diet or that kind of thing, it's really hard to stick to a rigid plan. Even though Deborah talked about that we have a kind of a cycle of every two weeks with the food, 
we, you know, the, we still um, like those foods. We like that variety. You know, we are all familiar with the, the um, um, like the grapefruit diet and that kind of thing. Well, you lost lo um, weight possibly with it, but you became so bored that you couldn't stay on that routine for a long period of time. If we look at counting our carbohydrates and having a variety of foods, we don't become bored with food and we get the nourishment from all of it. Um, if we restrict certain foods, we even can have a chance of mourning those foods. So like Deborah talked about making those substitutions. You know, if you get really hungry at four o'clock in the afternoon, looking at a substitution that would be there, if you had normally gone for um, a full strength can or 20 ounce bottle of soda pop at four o'clock, rather than trying to do go cold turkey and having nothing at that point, maybe looking at a diet drink or even going to a flavored water, which is very popular right now, you still have something in your hand. You are still gaining that fluid in your body, but you're not picking up those calories. So looking at those swaps that you can do um, so you're not mourning the loss of a food. The next answer to the question is, um, so our first piece of advice is for you today is don't blame yourself. Learn about your body. Learn about how your body works, how it, act, how it deals with food, and, and go from that. A lot of us blame ourselves for that diagnosis of uh, type 1 or of type 2 diabetes, much more so than uh, type 1. Um, but our genes play a large part in the role of the development of diabetes. It is just that there is a malformation in your DNA that predisposes us to diabetes. And so if we look at it at that point, we take away that blame from ourselves. And so you can learn how to manage your blood glucose levels. You can look at how food affects it. What is the readings and that based on the amounts of food you eat, the amount of physical activity that you have, and learn those interactions and make those balances work for you. And so let go of those harmful beliefs of, you know, oh, I can't eat this food or I can't eat that food or like my mom, oh, I could never have anything that tastes good or looks good again. Food still can be that reward. It can still be a benefit and we can make um, those uh, things go for it, uh, work with us. So you, the question, the answer to number three is you can learn how to manage your blood glucose and nourish your body with the foods that are available to you. So let's look at that science of diabetes and some of the things that go on there in our body. Insulin is a hormone that is responsible for guiding the sugar and the fat from the bloodstream into the cell to give the cell the energy it needs to work and function. And so it, um, insulin takes the blood uh, sugar out of the uh, bloodstream and into the cell. Now, there's the problem comes up is that the pancreas does not make enough insulin to move the sugars into the cell, and so thus then you get extra blood uh, or sugar in the bloodstream. The other thing that can happen as, as our body ages in that is that our cells decide they don't like that key, that insulin that's in the bloodstream, and so even though the insulin is there, they're not going to open up and receive the sugars and the fats that are in the bloodstream. So if the cells won't open up, 
whether it be because they don't like the insulin that is there or there isn't enough there, that raises the blood sugar level in, 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 the, in the bloodstream. So um, with, my, uh, with my mother's diabetes and that, I always was struggling to try and figure out or what was going on or that, and she'd ask me questions. And one of the visualizations that really helped me is that when the recommendation is our blood sugar should be from the to 70 or 80 to 120 fasting. That would be if you took a half cup of, of the thickest ketchup and a half cup of water and mixed it together. You'd have a pretty fluid uh, uh, solution there and that would be the level of the blood, the thickness of the blood in our bloodstream as it was flow, um, flowing through our system and, and cleansing our body. Um, so pretty, pretty fluid uh, association there. When the blood sugar raises to 200, you take that same half cup of ketchup and you dilute it with a third of a cup of water. Becomes a little thicker. As uh, when it goes to 300, you take the half cup, a new half cup of ketchup, and mix it with a fourth of a cup of water. So as you see, as the blood sugar is increasing, the thickness of the blood is increasing. And so when you get to 400, that the blood would be the consistency of that very thick ketchup. And so now as if you would have blood sugar levels of that 400, you can think about your heart trying to pump that thicker consistency through the body or the liver trying to clean it or trying to get to those, those extremities to heal and cleanse the, the toes or the fingers or the very fine eye uh, vessels in, in the, or the vessels in the back of the eye. So it gives you, it helped me to understand what was going on. It helped me to understand why my mom would complain of these headaches when she, her blood sugars would be high. She had what they called riddle diabetes that jumped from throughout the day and from day to day. Uh, it could be 150 one day, 250 the next day, 400 the next day, back to 300, and it was always bouncing up and down, back and forth. And I've finally seen um, some, some of that described in the, in the scientific literature. It isn't a term that is used very often. So hopefully that gives you some ideas of what's happening in the body and why it's functioning that way. And so if the glucose remains in the bloodstream, it can lead to complications. The blood just can't reach those extremities. It can't do its job of cleansing those cells. And so in type 1 diabetes, what happens is the, the pancreas quits working. There's no insulin there to, to move that um, sugar into the cells. And so fat tissue is broken down for energy just so that the cells can get some food to operate or that. In type 2, the pancreas still is making some insulin, so the high levels lead to higher levels of insulin being released into the bloodstream to try and deal with it. And so then that promotes weight gain because of increased storage of glucose as fat in the system. It interferes with the signals in the brain related to that you're full. You're, it's uh, because there's extra sugars there. The body's always wanting to eat something more and, and demanding that. And then it also increases the pleasure we receive from food. So if it makes us feel good, just like Deborah talked about though on the rainy day, if it makes us feel good, what are we going to do? We're going to eat more food. So it's going to hope, you know, hopefully that gives you a better understanding of what we're looking at. 
What happens with the diet um, plan is we have, we're at a level, then we lose some weight, and then we think, oh good, I can go back to my regular eating plans, uh, patterns, and we gain more weight. Then we go on another diet, and we lose the weight, but then we go back to our normal eating patterns and we gain more weight and it becomes a very vicious pattern that as we go on all these various diets we take and we gain, um, we lose some weight but we have the tendency to gain even more back which can be a real challenge for our body and our, our system as we're dealing with it. So we really have to become, uh, develop a comfort level with our body and that we have health at every size. And as we are dealing with this, we have to come to an acceptance with what is our set weight and what is our healthy weight. Yes, it's important for us to lose some weight, but we also have to know what is the best for us. And so we have to, to build that comfort level so we're not always beating up on ourselves. We're not gonna be that size six that maybe we were in high school. It's not gonna happen. And so if we, we have to come to a comfort level with that whole process. Then we also have to come to joy of movement. <coughs> As we look at this, so many times we t know that exercise is good for us. And we think, okay, I'll exercise, so then I will lose more, more weight. And we're exercising to lose weight. And then we don't lose the weight, and it becomes very frustrating, and we throw up our arms, and thank you very much, that we give up on the exercise. We have to realize that movement is there for our health not just to lose weight. We feel better when we increase that air and oxygen in our brain and get that deep breathing into our lungs, more oxygen in there. And if we look at movement and exercise as just purely helping us to feel better, we'll have a better attitude towards it. We'll do more of it. Uh, one of the participants this afternoon suggested that even if, if movement is hard and if our legs maybe don't support that movement, if nothing more and we're watching TV and advertisement comes on, you put a heavy book next to you and you lift it during the advertisement. Or you take and you put a bag of rice on your feet and you move them to increase your the circulation in your legs and, and back and forth. You don't have to be walking a mile. Just increasing that movement and saying, this is, makes me feel better. I want to move because it makes me feel better to take away that bad thought process that we have related to exercise. And then finally develop a, a philosophy that a pleasure of eating well, that we eat because the food nourishes us, it gives us the comfort that we need, but it gives us the fuel to fuel our body and heal us and keep us healthy. So what are some things that uh, prevent us from becoming a, an intuitive eater, being in tune to our body? First of all, we feel betrayed by our body. It gave us diabetes. How much more betrayal could we want or that kind of thing? But you have to come back and take control. You have to say, I can learn to read the signals of my body. I can uh, learn to um, know when I'm hungry. And so you, and as you look at it, if say mid-morning you get that, this headache and you feel kind of sluggish 
and you're trying to determine, now, um, am I hungry? Should I eat something or not? Use your blood glucometer to help you understand what your body is doing. Is your body hungry and you have a blood sugar that's 85 or 80, then yes. If your stomach is growling and your blood sugar is at that level, you need to nourish your body. But you say mid-afternoon, you come to a point and you know you had a big lunch and your stomach's growling and maybe you've got a little bit of a headache and you take that blood sugar and you find why. You know, it's 190 and Stacy told me it should only be 180 two, two hours after I've eaten or that kind of thing. So then you have to say, you know, maybe I need to walk a little bit. You know, a, a, a snack at this point may not be what I need. Maybe that flavored ice cold water would be a good option for me. And now you're saying, okay, Deb, you're telling me to learn about my body, but my insurance will only allow me one blood glucose test strip a day. And they're over a dollar a piece. So what, you know, what am I going to do? Well, you learn about your body and you figure out those key times when you just don't feel maybe exactly right. Is it hunger or is it, is it something else? And so today you take that fasting blood sugar in the morning. Then tomorrow you get kind of that sluggish mid-morning feel. You use your one strip then and you record the blood sugar level and you record your feelings. How did, you know, do I feel hungry? Do I have a headache? What, you know, what do I need to do? Learn about my body when, when I feel this way, this is what the blood sugar is. Maybe then the, the next day you look at a mid-afternoon reading or that four o'clock time, maybe if that's when you um, wanna eat just anything and everything or five o'clock, take a blood sugar reading there. What is your body telling you? What do you feel related to that? And then the next day, take it before bedtime so that you have a reading. And each time, and Deborah talked about the same thing, record how your body feels so you learn about your body. That way, you can become that intuitive eater. Do I need to eat something more? Or am I just eating out of stress or frustration? Or what am I, why am I eating? Looking at that whole process. And so, um, you know, this, I got a little bit ahead of me or that kind of thing. High blood glucose levels uh, after, you can have high blood glucose levels after intense exercises, or you can have high blood sugar levels as a consequence of infection in your body. You can tell by blood sugar levels that you may be experiencing some tooth problems before the tooth starts to ache because there's inflammation in your body that um, is telling you that things aren't right. So be the inquisitive about those blood sugar readings and say, you know, I ate pretty well, um, you know, stayed within my carb counts and my that, and my blood sugar's coming up. Maybe I need to call and talk to my health coach and get some more information. Be inquisitive about that. Um, another time you can have maybe a side effect of a new medication that the doctor has added in and your blood sugars go up or your fasting blood sugars go up. Um, you want to be inquisitive and ask questions related to that. Know about your diet um, and where you're at. Um, an example, uh, we ate at a, a restaurant oh, about 10 days ago and Mark was sharing, you know, 
I, I ate the full entree and I ate most of the rice and it was, um, you know, a third of a cup is a serving of rice and in most restaurants they're going to give you probably a cup, cup and a half of rice and that kind of thing. And a couple, three days later he goes, well, this is what the result was and he learned about his body, of how his body responded to that meal. Probably we will look at doing things differently. We'll share the entree instead of each ordering one or that kind of thing. But that's an example of intuitive eating, thinking about, okay, what was the result? What did the scale tell me? What did the uh, glucometer tell me? How did I feel? How did my body feel? Those are all things that you need to look at and be sensitive and learn about your body. And so um, a high blood sugar level gives you a chance to evaluate your stress level, your food intake, your exercise level, and think about all of those things. Uh, don't just blame yourself as I ate something that I maybe shouldn't have. Look at the whole gamut, learn from it. Um, and then as we look at the next answer, food actually tastes better when you are hungry. Think about um, if you have, if you live close to family and both sides of the family are here, for a holiday like Christmas or Thanksgiving, and you go to one side at noon and the next side in the evening. Does the food taste as good in the evening? Because you're not hungry. So the hungrier you are, it's gonna taste better. No matter what it is, it will taste better if you're hungry and looking in that. So what do you do is as you learn about your body, you carry with you some things that will help you. When you know those blood sugars are going lower, that kind of thing, they make these handy little snack bags um, that are snack size. You can put about 100 calories or, you know, this one is overstuffed, I will admit that, but you put, take and put nutritious food that you can carry with you that will nourish your body when you need it type thing and so that you can maintain that level. Another little trick is, um, I got these at a meeting uh, when we were in California from the Almond Association. This little box will hold 18 almonds. That's one carb exchange. They have the micronutrients in it. When this is empty, then you've had your exchange or that kind of thing. You're not tempted to overeat because it's empty. Um, this one would as contains pistachios. How many of us have taken the bowl of snack mix to in front of the computer or the TV or when we're doing something else and all of a sudden we take and we've eaten the whole bag or the bowl is empty and we've not even tasted it. And what we've done is we've deprived our brain of the pleasure of feeling full and understanding that because our attention was focused on the computer or the TV show, not what we were eating and what we were tasting. And so the brain doesn't even know that you've eaten that food and that it is, it is taking and it's, um, you know, then you're still hungry because you haven't even focused in on the food and working through that. So um, you have to let go of the shoulds and shouldn'ts um, of what we should eat. You need to focus on the foods that will nourish your body. So you really want to think about those calories, those carbohydrates. What's going to give you the, the most nutrients and help you, your body feel good and, and um, be healthy? 
Um, choose foods that you like, that provide you with the nourishment that you need. Um, and that helps you in those feelings of being deprived. And you really want to take those feelings of uh, being deprived away because it, it takes away your focus on the food. Um, note how you feel before eating and note how you feel after eating. Know your body. Match your physical activity to your food intake. So if you've had a heavier meal or that, increase your activity. And then what you will find is that balance feels good in your body. And you really want to maintain that. So thinking about your, your levels, and this is on your goldenrod colored sheet, we really want to think about how we feel when we eat. Not just looking at the clock on the wall because it's noon or it's 6 o'clock we need to eat. Are we truly hungry? That food will taste better if we're hungry. But like Deborah talked about, if we're starving, we'll be so tempted to eat too much. And so we really, as on a scale of 10, we really want to eat in that mid-range, 3 to 5. We get over that 6 level, we're already pretty full. Our stomach is telling us, you know, it really doesn't need much more. And if our stomach doesn't need much more, our brain um, is realizing that and it, it'll be comfortable. But if we continue to eat so that we're over to that stuffed feeling, even almost to the point of being sick, our brain then, you know, doesn't realize that nourishment is there and it doesn't give us that stop sensation. We've been building this eating pattern since we were small children. If you think about it, in school they gave us maybe 15 to 30 minutes to eat and play. So what have we done? We've learned to inhale the food so we get more time to play. Well, we do that same thing. We eat while we're at the computer, or we eat while we're working, or we eat uh, while we're watching TV so we get more enjoyment we don't realize what we've eaten and our body never and our brain never develops that full sensation. Whoa, don't put anything more in me, I'm full. And so we have to go back and learn about that process um, in, in working with it. So we have to relax before and after of our meals, we have to enjoy every bite, focus on the bites, focus on the flavors that are there. Concentrate on the pleasure of eating, not what else is going on around us. Um, if um, you go out to eat, when, you, when the meal is served to you, take and ask for them to serve the take-home container with the meal and divide it off so that you only eat what is, what is appropriate for you, that you don't get lost in the conversation and focusing on the other people so you don't taste the food and you don't overeat. We were at a banquet last week and they brought each of us this huge steak. There was no way we could humanly eat all of that and then it had cheesecake at the end and that kind of thing. It, and finally, even though it was in a banquet setting, we both asked if we could have a take-home container and they did bring it to us and we had steak salad for two days with the leftovers from, from, that, from that meal. But you know the restaurant wanted us to feel, or the convention center, like we'd gotten our money's worth for it and that kind of thing. So they had this huge stake on, on the meal. So don't be hesitant even in that banquet situation to ask for that take home um, container. And t let your body say, 
thanks, I've had enough, that's enough. And it's okay to say no thank you for those other things. Um, so as we're looking at it, taking time to eat and enjoy our eating, when eating becomes a source of stress, um, we have lost one of life's greatest pleasures. Stress is caused by hostile relationships with food. It leads to overeating, unhealthy food choices, not enjoying our food, and not digesting the food well. Our, our uh, brain doesn't release the right um, digestive juices to digest that food. So it interrupts the whole process. So we have to learn to say eating is a natural and, uh, and it, it satisfies our hunger. So um, take time to enjoy your eating. Um, our food is very abundant. We have a lot of food available to us and at an inexpensive price, but we also have a diet-obsessed culture that's always telling us, oh, whoa, don't eat that food or that kind of thing. Um, eating often is mindless, uh, consuming, and guilt-inducing. Stressed eating prevents our bodies from absorbing and using the food properly. And so if you're watching TV tonight or tomorrow, and all of a sudden the, the, the bag of chips is empty. Do you have guilt about that? Probably. So take and make sure you manage the quantity of food available in that situation, but try to take yourself out of that mindless eating sit, uh, situation so that it doesn't happen. And so um, the solution to eating, um, or to solutions to stress is actually mindful eating and um, eat like a connoisseur. As you watch those people on the food shows, don't they, as they are trying that, oh, this tastes so good, or, or that kind of thing, the first three bites are where you get the most flavor if you focus in on it. And focus on what it tastes like. Focus on the flavors and the blends that are there. And all of a sudden, you will be, you'll get more pleasure out of those first three bites you will feel fuller with that process. And if you focus on the food, eliminate the multitasking, the brain will still seek satisfaction. Um, and if you're multitasking, it'll take away from the food you're eating. And the brain won't know that you've eaten it, so you'll want more food. So mindful awareness of every aspect of the food itself is very, very important as you work with it. Um, mindfulness comes from Buddhism, and awareness of your body, your environment, and what is happening is the most important thing as you're eating. Mindfulness increases your awareness patterns without judgment. It tastes the food, and it creates a space between your triggers, Deborah talked about those triggers, and the actions that you actually are taking. So mindfulness is very important. Uh, I went, uh, Becky Versch and I went to a conference in February that that was, it was uh, probably 90% of the people there was people from the medical com community. And they were talking about teaching patients to eat mindfully, focus on what they've eaten. So as we look at this, don't multitask while you eat and be aware of how much you're eating, how much your, how your body is feeling, 
How is that food nourishing your body is really a very important component as we're looking at it. So as I'm, as I'm looking at time, we're going to go ahead and talk about, as a review for the things I've shared with you, there are more points and hints in your yellow handout. Um, so I encourage you to really sit down and think about um, your eating patterns and how food is nourishing your body. So let's go back and review the answers. The question to number one is there's no need to see food as your enemy. Food is there to nourish you. So the answer to number one is enemy. Number two, so here's the first piece of advice. Do not blame yourself. Answer to number two is blame. Number three, the answer is learn. You can learn how to manage your blood glucose and nourish yourself better if you focus on your body, your environment, and how the food feels as it nourishes your body. Um, food actually tastes better when you are hungry. And so to have that, you don't want to be starved, but you want to be hungry to be able to enjoy the food. The first step to in becoming an intuitive eater is to shift away from external rules about when you should eat and learn to listen to your body. What is that on a scale of 10? Where are you at hunger-wise? Is it time to eat based on what your body is telling you, what you've learned about your blood glucose levels? So the answer to five is intuitive eater. Number six, keep in mind that if there's not physical hunger signal to start eating, there will be no signal, internal signal to stop. So you have to learn to, to trigger that stop, I don't need any more food. And then number seven is remember, it takes time and patience to develop the skills of intuitive eating. It will take some time, but that's one of the reasons we have class in June and November and in March. So we give you time to work on the things we've taught you tonight before we come back and share new ideas with you in November.